morning, guys. I love being here on Sunday. I say that every time because I mean it. I really, really do. So good morning to you guys. Good morning to you guys watching at home. And if there's anybody on the foyer, good morning to you as well. Love, love, love being here on Sunday. But you know what? It wasn't like that all the time. Before I became a believer, before I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, about 14 years ago, this is what my Sunday would look like typically, especially during football season. I'd wake up relatively early. I'd go get breakfast, come back, and then I'd go into Vallarta Meats and buy some meat because grilling was my priority on Sunday. And I'd sit there, watch TV, waiting for NFL Today to come on. And in the meantime, I would scroll through the TV, change the channels, and see what was up. Sometimes CBS this morning, whatever. But I remember one particular Sunday morning as I was changing channel, I saw this preacher dressed up really, really nice, a beautiful smile, preaching and teaching some stuff, and the place was packed. And he would say things, and I'm like, wow, that's so awesome. I love what he's saying. I remember that one morning where I told my wife, CJ, come and join me, and let's, let's listen to this guy. And we heard story upon story, great stories. We were so motivated. I remember even tearing up, and my response to that preacher, to that teacher was, I want that. I need that. Man, boy, do I deserve that. Later on, I found out that this guy, this pastor, wrote a book, Live Your Best Life Now. So I went out, and I bought the book because I wanted that life. I needed it now. And so I remember clearly reading things like this. Don't just accept whatever comes your way in life. You were born to win. Yeah, it was. He would say, you were born for greatness. Sure I am. You were created to be a champion in life. I am competitive. I want to be that champion. And then I read things like this. Start calling yourself healed, happy, whole, blessed, and prosperous. I'm going to do it because that's what I want. That's what I deserve. And I won't forget when I read this. These are quotes. It's our faith that activates the power of God. It's up to me. I get to activate the power. Boy, do I want that. Boy, do I need that. Today, church, we continue our series we've entitled The True Gospels. The True Gospel. The False Gospel. I just want to remind us as we continue the series, as we have been telling you guys, this series is not to point fingers and say, wow, look at the way that church does it and look how good we are because we're not good. This series primarily is to guard our hearts individually, to watch out for some false gospels that can preach into our hearts personally, but they can also preach or be taught in this church. It is a way, really, where we want to guard ourselves, to hold me accountable, to hold the pastors and the teachers accountable so that these false teachings don't get crept into our grace family because before you know it, it is here. That's the reason for this series, the true gospel. Because when we teach, what we preach, people will believe 
People will be discipled the way we are discipling them. And that's why Bill Hall writes this. The kind of gospel we believe and teach directly determines the kind of disciples produced. May to guard our hearts, guard our teachings for these false gospels. Let me recap so far where we're at. The first week we saw what's known as the forgiveness only gospel. What does that mean? You are saved. You got your ticket to heaven. Woohoo! Free cruising. There's no need for sanctification. There's no need for discipleship. I've got the golden ticket. And then last week, we saw what's called the consumer gospel. We got to be really careful with that. I think most churches have fallen into that discipleship. What does it mean? We're here on a cruise ship. We're just here to gimme, 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 and never serve. We need to feel uncomfortable, church, because God's word makes us feel uncomfortable. And today, today we're going to be talking about a gospel that is so, so popular. It's known as a prosperity gospel. It's become really popular, and it's creeping into many churches, even in our community. So we've got to guard ourselves for us to always preach the truth. And that's why I'm reminded of Paul when he speaks to this young pastor named Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Listen to what he says. Paul says, for the time is coming when people will not endure. That word endure means to accept the truth. There's a time coming, and I think it's here. It's been here for a while, where when people are not going to accept the truth anymore. To sound teaching, they won't accept sound teaching, but having itching ears, what does that mean? Having, they want to hear what they want to hear. They want to feel tickled. They want to feel all good inside about themselves. He says, they will reject sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. We will listen to, we will go, we want to be taught what we want to be taught. Paul is warning Timothy as he's warning us in order to turn away from listening to the what church? The truth. Why? Because the truth doesn't make us feel good. They will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And this is what the prosperity gospel does. This is what a lot of false teachings does. It makes us feel good. It suits our passions. It tickles our ears. And we love it. So when we hear things like, don't just accept whatever comes your way in life. You were born to win. You were born for greatness. You were created to be a champion in your life. When we hear things like start calling yourself healed, happy, whole, blessed, and prosperous, when we hear those things, when we believe those things, our response is, I want that, I need that, I deserve that. But listen, church, when you hear the gospel, when you accept the gospel, the true gospel, your response should be, I need him, I want him, I don't deserve him. That's discipleship from the true gospel. That's the conversion of our hearts. Not this other itching of the ear, making us feel good. Today, what I want us to do for the remainder of our time is really look at two things. We're going to look at what the prosperity gospel does, what type, type of discipleship it creates, but then we're going to look at what the true gospel does, what a true disciple creates, how we need to respond. 
let's begin. What does the prosperity gospel do? Like many, if not all, false gospel, first of all, it distorts the true gospel. It changes the truth. Why? To make us feel good. Listen, here is the true gospel. Listen up. I'm going to shock a lot of you during this sermon, so buckle up. You're all sinners. Each and every one of you is a sinner, and I am a huge sinner. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We're sinners in need of a Savior. Here's the true gospel. Because we're sinners, we should be destined to hell. Sin is the problem. Jesus is the solution. Jesus, when we trust in him, we are destined to eternity. And the great news is that it's a gift. And I love what Paul writes in Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. Because we're sinners, we deserve death. But the free gift, it's free. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we recognize that we're sinners in need of our Savior, when we repent of our sin and believe in Jesus Christ, trust what he did, his perfect life, his horrific death, and his resurrection on the third day, when we believe in that, and we believe that he paid the punishment for our sins, our sins are forgiven. And that's how we have eternal life. That is the true and only gospel. Let's not distort it. Ah, here's the first shocker, right? Here we go. God's main purpose for you and for me is not our happiness. Oh, what? Shocking some of you, huh? I'm going to say it again. God's main purpose for you and me is not happiness. Guess what it is? It's holiness. Hear me. Once you have become right with God, joy follows. God's main purpose is not our happiness. It's our holiness. And Paul writes about this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. You can't do it. It's trusting in Jesus Christ, what he did. His righteousness is imputed unto us, and our sin is on him at the cross. Sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The true gospel is that. The prosperity gospel distorts that and says this. Live your life now. Be happy now. God wants you to be happy. What the prosperity gospel does is you get to receive what God promises you in eternity now. This is heaven on earth. So it disciples that. And so we think to ourselves, well, what do I need heaven for when I can get it here? What for? But the prosperity gospel teaches God is not a killjoy. Hear me. He wants you to enjoy his creation. The problem with being disciples with the prosperity gospel is that we are taught that this is it. Live your best life now. This is all you got. But, church, the Bible, the truth teaches that we're just sojourners passing through. This is not our permanent home. Our 
home is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Don't think that this is it. And that's why Jesus warns us in Matthew 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why not? Because they're not going to last. Moths are going to eat them. They're going to rust. Thieves are going to come and take them from you. But he says what? But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Do the things you do here on earth. They'll last for eternity. This isn't it. Don't listen to the prosperity gospel. Paul says the exact same thing in Colossians 3. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on what? Where? Earth. Our heart shouldn't belong here. Our heart should belong to him in eternity with him. Again, the promises of eternity should be for teach. You need to give it to us now, God. Your promises, we deserve them now. It distorts the true gospel. That's the first thing. The second thing the prosperity gospel does, it glorifies you and me through Christ. That's what it does. It glorifies us through him. Second shocker, church, we are here to glorify God, not the other way around. I love what the psalmist writes in Psalm 145. I will extol you. I will praise you. I will glorify you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever, even in eternity. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. We are here to glorify God and enjoy him forever. He is not here to, to be used for his our enjoyment. We use God for our enjoyment. And so what the prosperity gospel does, it creates a sense of entitlement. We use Christ to glorify us. And so you hear time and time again, this is it. You got his promises. Use them what it really teaches is this, you will be healed, you will prosper, and be blessed. So the sense of entitlement comes in us and says, you owe me, God, because that's how I've been discipled in the prosperity gospel. One of the things the prosperity gospel does when you hear so-called preachers and teachers is that they'll use God's word out of Boy, do they use it out of context. We'll hear things like this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. Oh, yeah, I like that word, prosper me. Bring it. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So we hear this. The prosperity gospel teaches this. So we say, you owe me this, God. I'm entitled to this, God. We hear things that are misinterpreted things like I can do all things through him who strengthens me we hear that I got Christ in my back pocket he's my insurance company go get him tiger because I can do all things because I was born to be a champion in life out of context and then they use this quite a bit Jesus says this if you ask me anything in my name I will do it I got a genie. Awesome. 
I'm going to ask it in your name. I'm going to claim it in Jesus' name, and it will be given to you. Hear me. Please pay close attention. Don't send me emails. Yes, Jesus can do and will do whatever he wants. I've seen it. I've seen people miraculously being healed. I've seen it. But here's the issue with being discipled with the prosperity gospel. Again, it gives you a sense of entitlement. You better do it because I tagged your name behind this prayer, Jesus. So where are you? Show up. There's a big difference between let your will be done and let my will be done because I'm using your name to get it. Huge teachings from the truth and false teaching. Here's another thing, too. We need to watch out for church in the prosperity gospel. You will rarely ever hear a preacher preach Christ crucified and resurrected. You hear story upon story. You will never hear the gospel. It's always this motivation. You want to feel good. The truth convicts you, church. And so we hear things from the prosperity gospel that says, you are David. You've got your Goliath in front of you. Go slay Goliath. We hear things like you are Joseph. Boy, if I hear another sermon on from the pit to the palace, I'm going to throw up. You are Joseph. You're down now, but God has blessings for you tomorrow. Trust him. No, out of context. No emails. Please, church. God's truth. These people, David, Joseph, endless truths. Endless, awesome applications, but you're not David, you're not Joseph, I'm not David, I'm not Joseph. Here's the biggest shocker, I believe. This book, church, the Bible, it's not about you. It's not. It's for you. It's all about beginning to end him. All these stories, David, Joseph, it points to our Savior. That's the Bible, church. Prosperity gospel preaches a promotion, a better job. That's what God promises you, healing, an easy life, live your best life now. That's what the prosperity gospel teaches, the truth teaches. Pick up my cross and follow me. The truth teaches in this world you will have sufferings. The truth teaches this. That Jesus is enough. The truth teaches that Jesus will be with us forever. I love what Jesus says in the Great Commission, Matthew 28. He says this, go therefore and make, I'm at this word, true gospel disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And here's the beautiful promise. This is Jesus speaking, not out of context. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's the promise. The kind of gospel church we believe and teach directly determines the kind of disciples produced. Prosperity gospel teaches otherwise. It distorts the true gospel. It glorifies you to Christ. And the last thing it does, and I'll cover this quickly, it questions your faith. Makes us question our faith. 
I remember reading, it's our faith that activates the power of God. So I thought, my faith is dependent on how God responds in my life. So when we pray and claim it, in Jesus' name, be healed, and they die. When we pray and claim it, in Jesus' name, I need a better life, and we get a worse outcome, what happens? Two things primarily. Where are you, God? Are you a liar? Because this pastor preached and taught that you would be there to give me this great life now. Where are you? The other thing that happens is we start to question God. Do I not have enough faith to activate the power of God? Jesus saved us, church, for an eternal life, not an easy life. We have to understand, accept the truth. So what kind of disciples of the kingdom gospel produce a true gospel? This is it. The true gospel creates disciples who are humble bond servants of Christ. Humble bond servants of Christ. That word bond servants in Greek is pronounced doulos. And you know what that means? We have become enslaved to him. We belong to him, church. He doesn't belong to us. We we can't say and should not say, hey, 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 respond, God. No. It's in humility that we say you have freed us from our sin slavery. Now we owe it all to you. Paul writes that about, about this in 1 Corinthians 7, 22. He says, for he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freedom of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is now a bondservant in Christ. No entitlement. It's all just humbling, wanting to serve him. Jesus says this. We need to become less of ourselves and make him great. We need to deny ourselves glorify him. Matthew 16, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. I need to ask you, church, why are you following me? Why do you call yourself, if you do proclaim to be a Christian, why? I love the story you read in In the Gospel of John, John chapter 6, Jesus feeds thousands of people, his followers, his disciples, and his apostles are there. And then he gets on a boat, the apostles get on another boat, and he leaves. And all his disciples, all his followers are freaking out, Jesus, where are you, where are you? They finally meet up with him and say, man, we were so worried, Jesus, we thought we had lost you. Where were you? And Jesus says, you weren't following me for me because of my signs. He was saying, you weren't following me because you believe that I am the son of man. You're not following me because you truly believe who I say I am. You were following me because I fed you yesterday. John chapter 6. And then Jesus starts to proclaim the truth. He starts preaching the truth. Verse 30 of 53. This is what he says. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
And all his followers, the disciples there were like, what? I'm not liking this, Jesus. I like the feeding part, but this? Hmm, I don't know about that. Verse 60, this is a hard saying, he started to say. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense to this? You don't like the truth, do you? And look how they responded. Verse 66. After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. I'm out. This is not the Jesus I wanted. This is not what I asked for. So then Jesus turns to his apostles, his 12, and says, do you want to go as well? I believe Jesus was telling his apostles, hey, you want to go? Go. I believe Jesus was asking his apostles, why are you following me really? Is it like everybody else because you like the things that I can give you because I can feed you because I do these miracles because I can heal? Is that why? Why are you following me really? And I love, I love the response of Peter. Listen to what he says in verse 68. Simon Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? He says, you have the words of eternal life, and we have believed. We believe you. And have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter says, you, I believe, are our Savior. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are Jesus. We love you for who you are, and that's why we're following you. We love you, and we need you. We want you. Why are you following Christ? Because you love the prosperity gospel and what he has to offer you supposedly on this earth. Is that why? Church, I pray that we are always a church family that preaches the truth, is disciples in the truth, and responses. And here's my sermon point today. Our response as true disciples should be this. I follow Christ for who he is for what he gives. That is a true kingdom disciple. Following, loving him, obeying him for who he is, not for what he gives. Let's pray. Father, I I pray that as we heard your words and as I proclaimed your truth, that we truly follow your son Jesus Christ we do have all these promises that we read, but not for this life. There will be a day. There will be no more sin. There will be a day where there will be no more suffering. There will be a day when there's no more death, no more sickness. But until that day comes, Father, we will follow your son because of who he is. Father, I pray that we are a church that always preaches the word we are convicted and we leave this building thinking to ourselves, ouch, that hurt. Amen. Amen. We don't want teaching to tickle our ears and make us feel good. We don't want motivation, Father. We need transformation. And that's what your word does. We love you. And it's your son's name we pray. Amen. God bless you, church. I love you all.